Hello and welcome to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. I'm Vernon Kay and on this week's episode I'll be sitting down with one of England Rugby's most exciting prospects. When I was playing against Northampton, he said it when I was running and now everyone calls me Baby Rhino. But it's not a bad thing, is it, to be called I don't know, I've, I've looked at a few Baby Rhinos. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thing. <laughs> yes, I'm chatting to England prop Ellis Genge. Obviously it was amazing to put the shirt on. I don't cry very often, but I see my mum in, in, in the crowd when I sing the anthem and I welled up quite a bit. We'll also learn a little bit more about the Red Roses, starting with England prop Sarah Byrne. In rugby, you know, some things aren't always going to go your way. Things are going to be a struggle. You don't just wake up one day and can start in an England shirt. Like, there's a process to get there. As well as her teammates, England winger Jess Breach. He still cries at the national anthem. But, um, always takes a video. But it's the same, same oh, anthem. No. But always takes a video and tries to take pictures. And I just say to him, Dad, there's professional photographers. So let's kick things off with the first part of my chat with Ellis Genge. So let's talk about your upbringing in Bristol. Did you always play rugby as a kid? No, I started with football. My dad likes football. Uh, he likes rugby now. But he was a big influence in your childhood taking up rugby, right? Yeah, definitely. He's he's an inspiration to me, to be honest. He he ain't the most like athletic bloke in the world, but he always gives everything 100%. So nice. fair play to your dad. I learned a lot from the bloke. And when you, were, when you were playing, is it true you were called the Baby Rhino? Nah, that's... Uh, Where's that nickname come from? I don't know. Some bloke on the telly said it um, <laughs> when I was playing against Northampton. Right. Um, yeah, it was one of them lot. And uh, he said it when I was running and now uh, everyone calls me the Baby Rhino. But it's not a bad thing, is it, to be called the I don't baby know. I've, I've looked at a few Baby Rhinos. And <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the analogy is quite cool, but... but I like what you've put on your Instagram because your Instagram is uh, like the M5, two hard shoulders. <laughs> yeah. So if you put two hard shoulders on a baby rhino, that's a pretty ferocious rugby player right there. Yeah, or he, he goes off down the M5 a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah wandering around. Either or, yeah. How would you describe your development as a young rugby player? Because you weren't in the early England system, were you? Like mm. you joined at seventeen, right? Yeah, I was always like a second choice for the county and stuff like that. When I was like fourteen, fifteen, I didn't make it into England sixteens from the southwest stuff. And a lot of, there was three teams then, do you know what I mean? It's like 60, <laughs> 60 odd players, and I thought that's a lot of people, and I'm not really good enough to be in that mixer. So, um, yeah, I was, I was quite disheartened by that. And then I made the 17s um, with Pete Walton and Ian Peel as my coaches, with John Fletcher, great blokes. And then, yeah, I, I played like the 18s at Bat Row as well, I think. I'm not too sure. I've got a terrible memory. So, wh- where did your transition come from then? We went to this like under 15s camp, and like a lot of the boys. All right, well, let, let me stop you there. At 15, were you an early developer or were you a late developer when it came to the body change? Were you a big 15 or a small 15? No, I was always skinny, to be honest with you. Yeah, I was proper skinny um, until like 16. And then we st- I went to Hartbury College. And um, when I was at college, there was a big emphasis on gym. I never really started going to the gym when I was like 15 years old. But then when I went to college, there was like a, we went to gym like three times a week. And, really? Yeah, it was like I stayed. At 16? I, yeah, I boarded there. I got a scholarship to go there. And like, to be honest, it changed my body completely. Like with gym, literally, I'm not joking, like three, four times a week. Wow, that, that amazes me. And then climbing the ranks, was there a, a pivotal moment of your game on field that changed it around for you? No, nah, to be honest with you, I actually think I'm like the same sort of player as I was when I was younger now. I've just matured in other areas, like um, I listen a lot more to uh, <laughs> the people who, uh, who are trying to get the game plan together. 
you, you just learn that like it's, it's it's really a team game. I was mm. never really that much of a, a team player because I come from not great teams when I was younger. Um, where I sort of had to do everything but, but it wasn't like a serious team do you know what I mean it was a social team so I, I was allowed to do that and then I had to learn Were you the kid that people turned to to do something on the field? Yeah I was like I played 8 and 13 and when I was at college I went to a team called Wooden in Gloucester on the weekends because I, I had nothing to do I stayed at Harper on the weekends and I played wing for them so like I just wanted to get the ball really and, and have fun and then when I played at college, I had a coach called Alan Martinovich, and he, well, he made me captain in my second year, and that, that obviously I had to stop thinking about myself then. And, uh, <laughs> become and, a team uh, player. Yeah, become a team player, so that, that was big for me. Hi, this is George Ford, and you're listening to the official England Rugby Podcast with Auto Inside Line. More from Ellis shortly, but time now to find out more about England prop and all-round menace Sarah Byrne. Let's check in with our man behind the scenes, Paul Bunker, who caught up with Sarah at the England women's camp. Give us an idea what Sarah Byrne was like as a young girl. Let's go. Let's go way back to because <laughs> you're quite big and strong. Were you yeah. a big baby? Oh yeah, I was massive. I was huge. My shoulders actually got stuck. So. <laughs> My mum used to call me a bit of a bruiser. Probably still carry that around with me. I was just really sporty. I would never sit still. Mum could never get me to go to sleep when I was a baby. Um, and yeah, I just absolutely loved sport. I was outside all the time. I struggled a bit in school. Not because of like behaviour or anything, like I always wanted to do really well, but I was dyslexic, so struggled with like my concentration and stuff. But like all my teachers absolutely loved me and they always helped me out. So I think sport was really good for me and my confidence. Dyslexia in my generation, it was kind of like this car child doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> Were you kind of assisted and stuff with things like spelling or you know, how um, was that affected? Well, I you? think like they diagnosed me with dyslexia when I was like halfway through my primary school, so okay. I think at the start they probably just thought, oh, you're a bit struggling a little yeah, bit. But yeah, um, yeah they really really helped me I went to like tutoring within the school like and just anything that I could do whether relating like um, letters to drawing because I really enjoyed drawing and mm. stuff when I was little so yeah I had a lot of support don't want to sound preachy but how nice that someone you know you're playing at the highest level of the women's game and mm. for someone who had those challenges at school I mean it's a great lesson to maybe youngsters who were just you know struggling with dyslexia I think it just helps you as a person like in rugby you know some things aren't always going to go your way things are going to be a struggle you don't just wake up one day and can start in an England shirt like there's a process to get there it's kind of the same with like work or, or anything and I think I learned from a young age that just because you're it's not your strength doesn't mean you're bad you're going to be bad at it forever mm. like I've come out of uh, college with quite good A-levels into my degree doing quite well in that and I absolutely love what I'm learning in my on my course so it made me a lot stronger person and just to push through those tough times I'm trying to visualise Sarah Bone as a little girl tell us what posters you would have had on the wall what music you would have been listening to what toys you would have been playing with well I wouldn't I would be outside for one probably climbing trees really muddy beating up my little cousin um that would probably be one I think I was definitely a, a tomboy I just never wanted to wear dresses or be pink or girly and I had two I've got two older sisters and they were very different they did ballet dance tap modern and I remember like sitting there mum dragged me to ballet and I was wearing pink tutu and mum was like what's wrong with you We're like we won't take you to ballet if you don't like it and I was like I don't like wearing pink it wasn't the fact I was doing ballet it's because I was in pink as soon as I got to wear the blue one I was like nurse don't really think it's a sport for me <laughs> yeah oh, it's brilliant, it's brilliant. And, and the music wise you were a kid like growing up listening to music and those sort uh, of things you into I, music yeah I the... loved music I l- probably listened a lot to like what my mum and dad used to listen to so like Josh Stone and my sisters were like listening to Palanutini like the kooks and things like that yeah. so I probably just listened to them but I, I love all music so I'm not really brilliant. fussy one yeah there's a note about downhill skiing as well apparently it's kind yeah. of like you're a keen skier and all those as well I mean yeah. kind of maybe the rugby career sort of when the sun sets maybe well, skiing I'm not entirely sure my body would last to be a uh, <laughs> 
a downhill racer, but I, I do love skiing. It's something that I've loved since I was little. I've been very lucky to be able to go since I was two. So I ski and snowboard, but it's just lovely. It's like, mm. it's something completely different that you're not really around and it's just you and it's something that I would hope I can do for the rest of my life, really. Yeah. Uh, when did you first get into rugby? How did that appear on your sort of radar? I've got a cousin really close to me. He's only a month older. And um, we used to do every sport. So he played football. I'd start playing football. He probably found me a bit annoying, actually. Like, he played <laughs> basketball. I wanted to play <laughs> basketball. And he played rugby. And I was watching him. And it wasn't really a sport I thought I'd be very good at. And then I was like, hang on a minute, like, I always win the play fight. So um, I just joined the team and my first training session, we were using the tackle shields and this, like, bit of an old guy was like, oh, you're a girl, not really going to do anything. And I absolutely smashed him and he fell right back, <laughs> did a forwards roll and he was like, oh, she's pretty good. So I think from there, I just loved it, just yeah. loved playing around. On your cousin and how does he feel now when he sees you <laughs> running out? Of he must be proud, Marty, but he must yeah. be very jealous, but also he's very, proud. Yeah, he's, yeah. yeah, he probably is jealous, but he's very proud of him. My family are really supportive, all of them, so... When I came back from the World Cup, actually, I had a really lovely banner. It was like I've been in travelling for two years. I was only away yeah. for two weeks, but yeah, they're really lovely. And tell us about the, getting that call up as well, because you went through the England pathway, didn't you? You kind yeah. of up to, to senior rugby. But do you remember when you got that call? I remember exactly. It was kind of a, like a bittersweet kind of day because I played all my um, through the sevens pathway. I played six until. I was under 20s and I remember Fergie came in and he sat me down. We did like a like a scrum session before and he was like, oh, you're just so strong. And I was like, I know what's coming next. And he sat me down and he's like, look, do you want to have a chance to play tight head? And I was like, nope, just got up and left. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm never playing there. Like I started as a front row, so I worked really hard to get all... Went from front row to back row to 12 to 15 to 9 to 10, mm. back to the back row. So when someone's gone, oh, you want to play prop? I was like, no way do I want to go back in that position. Mm. And then I had to think about it and I went back to him and I was like, actually, I accept your challenge. And he was like, okay, well, if it pays off, like you could start in a World Cup this year or like if it doesn't, we can always put you back and we'll see in a couple of years time how far you've come along as a back row. He was like, I don't think you won't make it as a back row, but I need a prop now. And I think you'd fit the bill. Wow. It says a lot about you, though, doesn't it? Your personality that you're that hungry for and you're willing to change the way you play. And clearly you're someone who loves running with a ball in your hands. We (laughs) see that week in, week out and playing in the position you do now. But, you know, you're that committed I'll do what it takes you, you probably would have played in any position wouldn't you from 1 to 15 if yeah. you're honest it was just a massive dream for me like when I was growing up um, I think from the when I first got into like county and through through the divisional process at the time I just remember being like I don't just want to play rugby like I want to play for England I want to be the best that I can be and that's always kind of my it's a similar trait from my sisters actually like whatever we choose to do we want to be the best at it that is quite funny it makes us quite mm, competitive but yeah. it's um yeah something that I think is is a really good trait of ours we were talking about this a bit earlier and hopefully we got this right but we're talking about the the generation of women that are coming through in rugby now and clearly think the landscape's changing massively here in England and we think that you might be the first ever actual professional rugby player who's come from pathway into being a professional rugby player is that, would that be right probably yeah yeah you've never had to now done no. a full-time job and and play rugby probably some of the there might be a few of the older girls like especially with through the sevens pathway but mm. in terms of 15 i've came straight from my second year at uni well my first year at uni straight into that first full-time kind mm. of program and then went back to uni and luckily got on got a chance the second time around as well so potentially that might you're be the new breed and, yeah, and how, new how breed. is that I mean you know for women now in this country my daughter's just turned 13 and she for the first time ever said to me you know could I have a job playing rugby and I'd say yeah you can now and yeah. so how has that been how would you say that has allowed you to maybe flourish and prosper under this sort of new breed of rugby players coming um, through? well just it's a lot more professional and it's not just like 
that we get money for it in terms of our recovery, how we get looked after. I had a little bit of a nasty injury at the beginning of the year and how I managed to get looked after, the amount of care and support I got around me was just mm. phenomenal and it brought me back to the pitch and I think I had one of my favourite games that I've ever played in England shirt when I came back. So for me, it's more the actual the time that we can commit to be, making sure that we are the best we can be when we get on the field. I think that's probably the biggest change mm. that's happened. Thanks, Sarah. You can cheer on the Red Roses as their Six Nations campaign comes to a dramatic close against Scotland on Saturday. It's free entry following the men's clash at Twickenham. Back now to the second part of our feature interview with Ellis Genge. Now, you've got dyspraxia. Dyspraxia, yeah. Right, that's not dyslexia. Nah. It's about spatial awareness, is that right? Yeah, yeah, like hand-eye coordination and stuff. So in year nine, like, this is actually, I I wish there was a bigger awareness of it because, like, one of my biggest problems in lessons was was the teacher, like, you're not not writing anything, like, you're not writing enough, blah, blah, blah. Look, you're not even trying, look how messy your work is, you can't draw a straight line, blah, blah, blah. And I'll be sat there, like, I'm I'm actually trying to do stuff, but I've got the attention span of a goldfish and I can't write in a straight line because my body won't allow me to, do you know what I mean? As much as I try, my handwriting's terrible, honestly. It's like Egyptian handwriting or whatever. I don't know if they had handwriting or pens, whatever they did, feathers and all that. Drawings. Yeah, they probably wrote with their nose, but... um, Like I honestly, like it wasn't legible. And um, one day they said, right, we're gonna we're gonna do some exams on you. And uh, they brought in a laptop. And like I said, I like gaming and stuff. And I was quite techy anyway. They brought in a computer, and I wrote something stupid, like sixty-two words a minute on this computer. I used to be able to touch type. I was real good at it. And I wrote six words per minute with a pen. And like you couldn't read it. So obviously wow. it was like it was a no-brainer, really. So all my lessons then I did with a laptop. And I got loads of work done. I could even leave it to the last five minutes, although it's not good. And I'd just be like, bang, like I've done more work than everyone in five minutes. Than Wow. So once you discovered that this was an issue, you were kind of, it was sales up and off you went. Does does dyspraxia affect your rugby if it's about hand-eye coordination? Yeah. Or are there things that you can do to develop that? There's, see, there's different levels of it. And um, I haven't done extensive research on it. See, I only made it apparent to myself, which is probably quite selfish because I'm not really aware of all, all the indicators of it. But when I was younger, we didn't have loads of money as a kid. So I didn't, didn't have everything but my mum worked really hard my dad worked hard to give me what I needed and do you know Clark's shoes Clark's trainers yeah I had to get my my shoes specially made because my feet were so fat and I used to drag my feet on the floor all the time and just rip these trainers apart any pair of trainers I had because I was so clumsy I didn't lift my feet being so lazy like and, and yeah like effort and everyone says about my body language all the time and they don't think I'm engaged in that but that's that's just because I'm not aware do you know what I mean that's it's, fascinating like you you could be like well you are a huge inspiration to so many young people because yeah. I would imagine there's a lot of kids out there who, who are thinking oh my gosh what's why can't I get on but if you look at the example that you set you know you couldn't write got on a laptop smashed it yeah couldn't walk properly and then all of a sudden you yeah. play for England like it was tough. Do you think that's definitely. affected you as your adult <clears throat> life has progressed? I'd, yeah, I'd say it affected me as a person until I was about 18 because I wasn't really... Obviously, when you come to a rugby pitch, everyone's level well. To a certain degree, everyone's level pegging. Like, no one says, Genji's got the sprats here, I'm going to... Let's not chuck the ball at him too hard. Do you know what I mean? You had yeah. to adapt. And I feel as though, like, because... I never passed that much before 18 anyway, but now I'd say my passing's all right. And like I, I had to go away and practice that and practice and practice. And at Heartbreak, it was a perfect environment for me to do so. Cause it was just rugby, do you know what I mean? Mm. It, I didn't have anything else to do. It was just rugby all the time. So I, I feel as though if I wasn't there, I'd probably still be struggling to, to pass a lot. That's an amazing story. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a long old, long old story. It was frustrating at times. I can but, imagine. Yeah, got through it. Hi, I'm Tom Curry, and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. 
tell you what, Paul Bunker has been a very busy man. He also caught up with England's try-scoring sensation Jess Breach this week. Here's Jess chatting about her rugby career so far. A lot of people won't know about your move from 15s to 7s back to 15. So maybe you can talk us through that a bit of the timeline of that. So I played Autumns in 2017 and played quite well and then had a phone call from the 7s head coach being like, would you be interested in coming into 7s programme? I already had a student contract, so I was semi-part of the 7s programme anyway. And it was a really big decision for me. They had like the Commonwealth Games and the World Cup in that year. And I've always wanted to see what sevens was like. So I just thought, yeah, I'm going to go for it. So I went for it and was obviously trying to study at the same time and then just had to like pause that for a couple of years. And then, yeah, went to like Sydney, Japan, Paris. Yeah, and then went to the Commonwealth Games in the Gold Coast. And that was really fun. Like, I think going to a, like, a multi-sport event, like anyone should like try and experience it. It's so good, like being in a lift with like Tom Daly, like, and like, ah. But yeah, no, it was really good. And then obviously going to the World Cup was good because it was like my first ever. World Cup and to like experience it with one of my housemates now was really good and then yeah then moved back to 15s in the next January so yeah spent basically a year with sevens and then came back to 15s and how was that that year I've just kind of listened to some of those plays I'm just thinking about your mates who are at college yeah. or university in Chichester they're sort of going doing my dissertation <laughs> and you're kind of like I'm in San Francisco I'll yeah. see you next week oh, I'll be, I'm on the Gold Coast you know I'll give you the call next week I mean they must be looking at you and just thinking you have got the ticket man you know, yeah I think it would be quite funny because we would be having like group projects and they'd be like oh we really need to get this done and I would send mine in and um, they'd be like oh can we FaceTime and I'd like FaceTime them like, on the balcony and they'd be like where are you and I'd be like oh just like on Coogee Beach and they're like oh like as if you're doing your like work there and we're like in the library but um, I think they understood and it was nice that um, they were really supportive even though they weren't really interested in rugby but they were really supportive yeah so your dad obviously come from a rugby family yeah. your dad's massively into it as well yeah can we just talk a quick touch on the pride that he must have I mean as a dad myself just can just imagine how he must feel to see you in an English and then also you know on the sevens program yeah I think they're super proud I think they supported any decision that I would make ever um but yeah they're so happy I think he still cries at the national anthem but um yeah and always always takes a video but it's the same same anthem but always takes a video and tries to take pictures and I just say to him dad there's professional photographers like I don't I don't think your camera quality is as good (laughs) but if you still want to do that that's fine he's got his own family Um, YouTube channel putting bits up there that's what they would be believe me when you're 60 years old with your grandkids and you're saying to them yeah did I tell you the time that I played at Twickenham you know your great-grandfather has put about 95 videos up on YouTube. Have a look at them and those sort of yeah, things. Yeah, no, I think they're all super proud. Um, but, you know, I do do it for them as well. Um, they've had to take a lot of sacrifices mm. to, like, take me to training. Like, I used to have to train at Brighton sometimes, and that's, like, an hour away. And my dad used to take me, obviously, when I couldn't drive. But, yeah, I really, I really, really appreciate them coming to watch me. Um, it makes me, like, smile when I see them in the crowd when we, like, sing the national anthem. Yeah, I've I, I got a question. I, I think that... You may be the most successful rugby player of all time with regards to the start to your career. Scoring 11 tries in two games. Mm -hmm. I I can't think, I've been through some numbers and I don't think there's anyone ever, I'm talking, you know, all blacks, you know, wallabies, how do you deal with that? How was that for you at the very start of your career to score 11 tries in two games? Yeah, I mean... I still can't really get over it now and it's been quite a while I think when people say it I'm like yeah I don't really know how to respond if I'm honest definitely like the team helped me be able to score that many tries 
<laughs> She's so weird. <laughs> just to let you know, that was Hannah Bossman just being weird yeah. in front of the window. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Just like running with the ball in space and like being able to finish is obviously really good. And I like to do it like for the team and stuff. Like, I think if they put me in space, they're going to want me to finish. So I feel pressure. But not too much pressure and I think then coming back and playing against Ireland I didn't feel any pressure at all and yeah my first touch was a try but you can't stop can you I mean, you, I mean there's an argument of give someone else a chance Jess I mean that's what we're all thinking I mean was it 14 tries in sort of four, four games. games I mean yeah. it's kind of there are, there's there's 14 other women on the pitch with you as well if you don't mind you know? yeah I, I mean other people score other people do score well when you let them I mean uh, those other tries that people score I'll see you still sniffing around there as well yeah I just like it you know but everyone likes scoring tries yeah. don't they yeah. um, everyone like, likes getting like five points for their team I think if um, like, I could kick that would be great as well there are many points I'd get so, there <laughs> <laughs> I like your style no. but you're, you're a natural finisher I mean you yeah. know it's kind of almost like you know in any sport football rugby tennis whatever it is you've got people who have got that ability boom boom and yeah. finish it off I mean that's just something that you've inherently within you and having like Lydia Thompson like, in the programme and obviously them playing with Nolly I think I've had like really good finishers around me so I've learned lots and it's great competition as well like when you're in camp to be like oh she just like beat me on the outside or you beat her and you like feel good but it's like healthy competition I don't, mm. there's no like harshness about it and we all want like want each other to get better because then if they get better you need to get better sure. um but yeah it's really good having like Lydia in the squad yeah your career 2017 you started so it's only yeah. 2019 yeah. now and it literally feels like there's golden moments everywhere we look but has there been a moment for you that you look at your career and just think I just can't believe that was me there. It could could be 15s, it could be 7s. I think I probably have two. So with 7s, it probably was the like bronze medal at the Commonwealth Games. I think not many people can say that they've done that or been or even got a medal. And to have my mum and dad there out there was really special too. 15s, I don't, I don't really know. I think obviously getting man of the match here at Twickenham in my like second test and then obviously scoring a couple of tries was really good too. But I'm trying to think. I did really enjoy the France game in the Six Nations because... Before that game, we were in the airport after Ireland. I think we were watching one of the men's team and they did a crossfield kick and they caught it. And I said to Katie, don't ever do that to me, please. And she was like, oh, why? And I said, oh, I just, uh, there's too much pressure. Um, I just don't think I'd be able to. And then um, obviously we got penalty advantage in the France game. And I don't know what came over me, but I just shouted the call. And then I was like, oh, God. And then, yeah, and then just like got up in the air and scored it. So I think that whole scenario, because then she came over to me and she was like, well, you can do it. And I was like, yeah, okay, thank you. That is it probably so far, just because of the whole like situation around that's all from Jess Breach for now remember the Red Roses are at Twickenham for their first ever fixture against Barbarians women on Sunday 2nd of June and an England men's 15 will also play the Barbarians in what is sure to be a great day at Twickenham Stadium grab your tickets at englandrugby.com forward slash tickets for now though enjoy the final part of my chat with England powerhouse Ellis Genge how has it been for you integrating yourself into this England rugby team? It's tough because, like, obviously you go... I went from Bristol uh, playing the champ. I was at Bristol since I was 14, 13. And then I was there full-time from 18 and I left when I was turning 21. So I was there for a long old time and then I had to go to Leicester and make new friends and I wasn't very good at doing that. Do you are, you, I mean? are you not a social person? I'm social when I know people, yeah, but I'm... I'm, I'm quite introverted around people I don't know. Like, I'm, believe it or not, I'm quite shy. <laughs> In- well, when you went to Leicester, obviously that squad's got a wealth 
of maturity and a wealth of experience. And it's, yeah, it still has, and I still find it hard now sometimes. Really? Yeah, like sometimes I'm pushing, the boys are pulling in terms of like social events and that. Like I'm a lot younger than Coley, for example, and he doesn't want to come in my house and play PlayStation. He's got. A, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's got to look I after. I think he'd rather put on his barber jacket yeah. and a pair of wellies and get in the backyard. Let's be honest. He, um, he's, he's got to look after the twins, but yeah. like um, that, that's been a big learning curve for me as well. Like understanding that not everyone wants to sit home all day and play PlayStation, or not everyone can get out and go to coffee all the time or go for a drink after yeah, but a you're, game. You're only what twenty four? Twenty four now. Yeah, only twenty four. I mean, week. let the mature boys go in. Yeah, sit with their that's three what dogs I'm saying. Children. Like when I come into the England camp, it was again like you sort of got to not work people out, but make friends very quickly because you mm. you got to play with them. And I haven't played much in, in my time involved. I've got seven caps now, but um, I've been in a lot of camps and spent a lot of time around the boys. And I'd say this year or or maybe at the end of last year before I got injured was when I sort of felt as though I. I really understand all the boys now. Is um, there anyone who's taken you under their wing, England and Leicester um, wise? Yeah, Coley's been good to me. Obviously, he's a he's, he's a good front row. For, yeah, he's a good bloke. He's a front row forward, and he's got 80, 83 or eighty four caps now. And he's at Leicester at the club with me as well. So I've learned a lot from him. You learn from everyone, really. Sinks has been good for me as well. Like he's obviously a bit bit younger, same similar age to me, and um, I spend a lot of time with Sinks. And I don't spend an awful lot of time with Coley, but equally, I've learned just as much mm. off of both from the same position and very different players but I've, I've learned a lot from them yeah when you get on the field and when you get in the gym do you isolate yourself do you just crack on and get on with it like are you more intense on the field doing that kind of practice or in the gym I, I don't know before I came to Leicester and stuff and I was at Bristol because I made that transition from back row to prop I was doing double gym every single day for like a year no way. yeah I gained like three stone in a year but I was quite a skinny bloke do you know what I mean like it wasn't hard to do that in that environment I was gymming eating loads and stuff so I, I isolated myself then but then when I come to Leicester I get on really well with my S&C like I've been injured quite a lot so we spend a lot of time together I've got a good relationship with him and I wouldn't say I'm, I'm I'm so much isolated now when I'm gym and on the pitch. Um, you have your ups and downs, you know what I mean. Like mm. some days you might be a bit down the dumps, but the boys are real good in this environment of like telling you to keep your head up and stuff. And no, I, I'm I'm not so much isolated. I, I like having a bit of bit of fun whilst we're going along. But you, when it's time to switch on, you got you got to know when. Nice, when that I is. like that. And Eddie, Eddie Jones is a good bloke for that, isn't he? He is. Yeah, I'd see like when you first come in again. Like obviously he's the boss and. It's hard to understand people and you, you don't think they've got any give and you, you don't think they've got any banter, but you realise like they're just people at the end of the day and he likes having fun just as much as the next bloke. But when it comes to game time, like he's he's one of the hardest players there is. Like as you can see, the results we get, sometimes we trip up, but everyone does, you know what I mean? No one's perfect. And he, that's sort of his ethos, you know what I mean? Like We're going to get it right, but sometimes we'll get it wrong as well. And each wants us to be able to adapt to that. Mm. Yeah. Another thing that's been quite frustrating for you is your injuries. What, what's that like when you go through a, a period like that? I can't really describe that, to be honest with you. Everyone handles it differently. But, yeah, I have, I've definitely had my darkest times during during injury. Are there a huge kind of pool of emotions that you go through? Like, I would imagine that anger is the first one. You get angry that you're <sighs> See, injured mine, and you just mine, sat around. Mine wasn't, mine wasn't really anger. It was more so like I felt... I was just I felt gutted like someone had taken something away from me do you know what I mean well fighting fit now and now you've got the chance to yeah. to kind of really make a, a massive impact let's talk about the tattoos on your foot now I heard that every opponent that you played is that right you have their logo tattooed on your foot internationally every international yeah, yeah. if we win I'll get um, got every nation on there so far What what's your thinking or inspiration behind that I like tattoos a lot I'm actually petrified of needles believe it or not but um, I, I quite like the the pain. Uh, 
when you sit there and get a tattoo. My friend Tyler Allen's a, a tattooist in Bristol, so he's done uh, two of them. It's nice. just memories. So like when I'm older and my grandkids, are, or if I have them, they're like, "What's that on your foot?" I'll be like, oh, nice. "Do you know what I mean?" Like, <laughs> did, it, did a bit, yeah, yeah did a bit. Uh, let's talk about your first England international. It was against Wales, right? In 2016, yeah. was it? Yeah, 16. When you put on the jersey, what goes through your head? I don't know, it all happened really fast for me. So I came on loan from Bristol in March to Leicester, sorry, February. Hadn't played, hadn't played, hadn't played. Played in March because someone got injured and then started against Saris in the semi-finals for Leicester. And then I got a phone call from Eddie. I played like under 20 minutes of rugby in the Prem. And he was like, yeah, I really like what you're doing and, and come along. And I did. And then I got the opportunity to play. I think it helped that Marla didn't come on the tour and yeah. um, Mako was playing for Saris, but obviously everyone needs a, an opportunity. Everyone just, needs a break. Yeah, it's just how mine came about. But yeah, the, obviously it was amazing to put the shirt on. I don't cry very often, but I see my mum in, in, in the crowd when I sing the anthem and I weld up quite a bit. You mentioned earlier on that you like playing Xbox, PlayStation, PlayStation. sorry. Is that More what, PC now, to be honest. Oh, is it? What games yeah. do you play? League of Legends. Right. Um, they got, they're quite big in esports now. There's a documentary about them on Netflix. Technology's taken over, really, and there's there's no getting away from it. So I, thought, I like strapping into the Matrix and, and getting involved, <laughs> you know what I mean? You lose, you lose a lot of days in those games. Yeah. It's weird, it's, it's mad. Like when I was younger, I remember just playing Kirby every day and like exactly. just kicking a ball about and shouting Gerard when you're kicking the ball, do you know what I mean? And like nowadays, it's, it's not that at all. You've got 10-year-old streaming games and stuff. Like it's, it's actually My daughter nuts. watches people play games. So do I, do you know what I mean? I'm 24 years old, I'm sat there watching a 12-year-old play a game that I like. It's, it's, <laughs> it's mental, but like you watch it so that you can get better. You, you're learning on the move, do you know what right. I mean? I understand why it's gone like this, but yeah, it's, it's beyond me. Why? Do you do anything else apart from gaming? Nah, not really. Like, but you rug- like socialising? Yeah, I love it. Like I'll go you- for coffee. I, I like going on holiday. I like going away with my dad to go with my dad once a year. Where, where'd Just you go? I went to Portugal last year, but I was injured at the time, so it was uh, it was quite a good time. I could really let loose, uh, <laughs> as loose as my old man gets. Um, yeah, I just like going away with family, really, and like because. Growing up, we always went to Spain and went to Disneyland once. I want to go back to Disneyland at right. some stage. Uh, Ellis, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. Really appreciate it. Thank no you, worries. my friend. Cheers, brother. And that's it for this week. A massive thank you to Ellis Genge, Sarah Byrne and Jess Breach. Needless to say, we are in for a huge weekend of rugby. Enjoy it wherever you're watching and make sure you join us next week for the final episode of this series. Remember to subscribe to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line wherever you get your podcasts so the next episode will automatically drop and you won't have to lift a finger. There's heaps coming up on England Rugby social channels as well so get across England Rugby on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter for all the build-up to this weekend's action. But until next time, have a great week. It's bye from me, it's bye from them and bye from him and bye from her. Come on, England!